Hey, good morning, welcome, and thanks for joining. Uh, if you got your Bible ready, as always, hope you do, uh, why don't you go ahead and open to Colossians chapter 3 as we continue to look at Paul's letter together. And uh, yesterday we uh, began looking at verse 12, but kind of focused on the idea of what it meant to be the chosen ones, uh, holy and beloved, separate and loved of God, those who he chose. And we spoke to the issue of uh, some of those issues revolving around, uh, briefly, but we spoke about some of those issues revolving around the question of God's election and those kinds of things. So we uh, certainly didn't do an exhaustive service to that, but we did put a link in there to a, a, a more involved study on that that we did on a Sunday morning. Hopefully you had a chance to watch that or have uh, chewed on that a little bit. But um, but we want to go back to that passage today in verse 12 and begin to look at it all the way through verse 14, where Paul talks about putting on things that are becoming of a Christian, things that are characteristic of Christ. We put them on like a garment. We put to death those things before that are earthly, sensual, and those kinds of things, uh, things that even become idolatrous in their nature. And instead, putting on those things that reflect the character of Christ. And so let's see that again here today in chapter 3, verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all else, uh, uh, above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so, put on, again, like a garment, these things. Now, of course, there are lots of things that would uh, maybe come to mind that sort of are along the lines of what Paul talks about, but we'll just kind of focus on the ones he mentions here. Uh, again, compassionate hearts or hearts of compassion. Uh, now, there are a couple of words for heart in the Greek. Uh, one is uh, cardia, which speaks of the idea of, of your actual heart, you know, the idea of that pump. But then the word that's used here actually speaks um, of, of something that actually I think is kind of characteristic of how the heart is referred to in the Old Testament. And it's not so much speaking of the physical heart as much as it is uh, like your innermost being, like your bowels technically, your kidneys and that sort of thing. And that sounds like a weird thing to say, like have compassion flowing from your intestines or whatever. But uh, really the, the idea is really one of that middle place of who you are, that very deepest part of your being let it come from that place. Now, in our English today, we would typically use the word heart, like I love you with all my heart. And that would speak of the idea from the depths of, of my emotion, of my being, of my person, I love you from that place. Well, that's, that's essentially what's being said here as well. The word there implies more than just kind of the physical pump inside of your chest, but really the deepest part of yourself. And so he says, have compassion from that place. Uh, that sense of 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 uh, pity and and uh, desiring for better for the person that you're dealing with uh, that you're uh, engaged engaging with and that kind of thing. So put that kind of thing on. Uh, have genuinely compassionate hearts toward one another, uh, and that would extend to not just believers, by the way, but to have that kind of a heart in general. Uh, that doesn't contradict the idea of of bewaring people that might be dangerous or deceptive or something like that, but there still can reside within us a heart of genuine pity for someone's condition, especially those outside of Christ. It almost uh, seems like it should be more so for those that we know are in a pitiable condition. And I don't say that in a condescending way. I just mean that 
uh, someone who's in a position of self-destruction or or eternal destruction uh, as their destiny in that we should have genuine pity for that that's a very christ-like characteristic of the one who came uh, you know as the demonstration the expression of god's love for the world that was so much so that he gave his only begotten son right and so that kind of compassion is something we're we're called to put on like a garment uh kindness you know um uh, we some things are better felt than telt but we kind of understand the idea of kindness where we show uh, a genuine care and concern and a helpfulness to somebody uh we we show them uh maybe in spite of the fact that they don't deserve kindness don't deserve quote-unquote kindness none of us do right and so um, we understand that by demonstrating uh, kindness to those around us certainly to those that we know and love but even especially maybe to those uh, who would not really fit the mold of, of what we would generally uh, see as someone who would receive that but to be genuinely kind uh, to someone on the outside showing uh, you know kind of a loving um, care for that person um, also humility uh, putting on humility now that's a tough one a lot of times right I mean some of us you know, hopefully most of us aren't arrogant and cocky or anything but to be genuinely humble to where we we, we really truly see ourselves as we are and we respond accordingly you know we live in a world that that urges us to think more highly of ourselves than we ought but to have a genuine sense of humility means to recognize who we are in light of who God is you know, God's the one who deserves all the attention and the credit and the glory and everything, and, and we really don't. You know, we're not like him. Like, uh, what did David say in Psalm, uh, uh, was it Psalm uh, 115? Not to us, but to you be the glory, you know? Uh, that's that's a, an expression of genuine humility. Lord, you get all the attention, and I don't need to get that attention, because if I get attention, maybe I'm taking it away from the Lord. And so uh, genuine humility is uh, not someone who thinks uh, much of themselves, but someone who thinks little of themselves and maybe thinks of themselves little, you know, that kind of thing. I've heard it defined that way. And then meekness. Um, <clears throat> the idea of power under control. The idea that I could act in a certain way, but I'm choosing not to because it doesn't necessarily reflect uh, a Christ-like response or Christ-like character. And so therefore I stifle that within me that would seek to act a certain way. Uh, usually in a self-serving way. Um, I, matter of fact, I'm struggling to think of a time when it would not be in a self-serving way. But it's meekness is that of putting that power and capability to do something under control uh, in a good way. And so meekness. And then patience. And the idea of patience, as so often is the case in the New Testament, speaks of patient endurance. The idea of pressing on uh, with hope and the knowledge that you know you're going to ultimately make through this kind of a thing, but you endure and you continue to go step by step, continuing and pressing through, patient endurance, uh, enduring with a sense of of uh, well, you're not supposed to use the word to define the word right, but here I am stuck finding a way to do that. But anyway, so the idea of patient endurance, pressing on with perseverance, and that's kind of the idea there. And we're to put these things on like a garment. Uh, now, some of these, or maybe all of them, sound difficult. Well, gosh, that's, man, that's hard. Yeah, well, it, it is, but, you know, something the Holy Spirit helps us with this. As we said earlier, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in, the, in, in, in working out our continually being separated unto God, sanctification. 
uh, is something that we're not left to ourselves to do. We do our, our best to make the choices that encourage that and, and demonstrate a surrender uh, to God's purposes for us rather than our own. But we don't do it alone. The Holy Spirit works within believers. As he indwells us, he works within us to ultimately work out that Christ-like transformation. And so um, this seems like a tall order in many respects, but again, we're not called to satisfy that ourselves. We're called to lean upon the power of the Holy Spirit. But these are the things that we understand are what the Holy Spirit is trying to work out within us. And we wanna cooperate with that and not resist it. And he goes on and says, bearing with one another, okay? Helping to carry the load, bearing the burdens of others. Uh, when someone is in a place of, of sorrow or struggle, we come alongside and we pray and we give them a shoulder to lean on and, and we walk through this with them. You know, chances are in your life in some, at some point, somebody, uh, you, you knew somebody or maybe it was your child, your parents or a friend or something like that that was in a place where they, they really needed somebody to go through a, search, a situation with them. They needed to know that you were there. Uh, even if you couldn't physically be there with them in the middle of something, they knew that you were there thinking about them, praying for them, bringing them, pleading for them before the throne. Uh, and when they did need something, you were there to try and help them with it. That's the idea of bearing a burden. Uh, it's not just, uh, hey, be warm and well-fed, but it's, it's, it's coming alongside and bringing that genuine comfort, helping physically, practically when you can in the ways that are, you know, are, are, are needed at the time. So bearing each other's burdens. Um, sometimes it might be a wayward child as a parent, like you, uh, you want uh, someone else, another parent who maybe understands what you're going through to come alongside and just help you cope with this and deal with it and maybe understands some of the things that you're experiencing to some degree or um, you know, any situation like that. Someone's passed away and they, the person doesn't know what to do next and you come alongside and you help them kind of get things back in order a little bit and just help them navigate that very um, uh, treacherous sea, you know? And so bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Um, you know, forgiveness is, uh, is a term that we know is so central to the Christian faith, but it is one of the harder things to genuinely do. It's not hard to say, I forgive you, but to truly forgive like God does and where we don't kind of store it in the memory banks as a potential, uh, as a potential weapon to use in the next time a thing comes up. Um, you know, you forgive, but you know, next time they do something like, oh, this is just like the last time you did. Oh, no, that's not forgiveness. That is, um, that's, that's saying you forgive, but it's actually rather hypocritical. But to forgive and to let it go. You know, when, 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 when the scriptures tell us that God forgives and he remembers our sins no more, here's the thing. It's not that God literally forgets things. He's incapable of forgetting things. He knows all things and always has and always will. Uh, he's sovereign over all things. There's nothing that he forgets. But knowing this about us, knowing the thing we, we, the many things we've done wrong, the many things we've done to offend him, he does not hold them over us. He does not bring them up and, and rehash them. He doesn't judge us by those previous things when they're forgiven, right? And so we don't, uh, we don't wanna do the opposite of that when we say we forgive. We wanna forgive like he does. 
Sure, I might remember it in my mind. I might not literally forget something, but I will never bring that up again. I will never make you carry that noose around your neck. You're no longer under that weight anymore. It's gone. As far as I'm concerned, it is forgiven and it is behind us. It's no longer a thing. And so that's what forgiveness means. And that's what it means to forgive one another. Because after all, as the Lord has forgiven us, so we also must forgive. Right? And that just makes sense. If we consider what what we've been forgiven of, you know, Jesus told parables about this, right? Where uh, someone who owed a great debt, you know, was um, was forgiven by the master, but then he went out and found somebody who owed him a smaller debt, and he throttled him and said, "Where's my appeal? Pay me what you owe me." And the master got wind of this and said, "How could you do that? How could you be forgiven so much and then go after somebody for a much smaller debt?" Well, that's what's going on here. Uh, Paul, being a Jew and being a rabbi, would know all these things. A Pharisee. Uh, would you know the you know understanding these words of Jesus you know this 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 kind of a parable I should say uh, would totally make sense to somebody like Paul he's like wow yeah you know this is what I used to be but now I'm understanding that as Christ has forgiven me for the grand debt of all my sin certainly I can forgive others and above all these things put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony above all these things put on love why is that at the expense of all the other things, if, if, if necessary? Well, I've only got room for love, so I can't do all the other stuff. No. If I put on love above all things, then the other things all come naturally. And so at the end of it, it's, it's like kind of climbing a mountain and getting to the top and saying, oh, this is what uh, is the key to understanding all this. Yeah, it's love. You know, uh, love features so prominently in so much of what the New Testament teaches. You know, it's it's uh, it's such a simple term, and we therefore think it's such a simple concept. But love is the pervasive theme of the entire Scripture, uh, certainly in the New Testament as we read it. Of course, it's it's easy to say that with Jesus as the central figure of all of Scripture. Of course, love would naturally be. But even just in the teaching uh, of the Scriptures, we understand where love is such a central thing. Um, uh, Paul's teaching on, this, on the gifts of the Spirit, uh, chapters 12 through 14. Well, wait a minute, Brian, it's 12 and 14. 13 is all about love, right? Yes, it is. And it is very fitting that this chapter on love, which was never written to be simply a reading in a, mar- in a wedding ceremony. This is for all believers at all times. Love is, the, uh, is right there in the heart of a teaching on using the gifts. Why? Because if we use the gifts in love, then we won't use them for self-serving purposes. We'll use them as they were designed to be used, as a testimony of God being present among us, and certainly as a way and a means, as Paul even says there, for building up the body. And so love becomes uh, the, 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 really the, the anchor for all of these other things. Uh, no less so these things that Paul has been talking about here. If I put on love first, well, compassion should come naturally. Kindness and humility, meekness and patient, uh, patient endurance, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If I love, these things should naturally flow from that. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, almost, uh, it's very much like what Jesus said when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Uh, they came to him and they wanted him to sort of trip up on this. Uh, maybe they were sincere, um, but so often the case was the questions were asked to trip him up. We don't, it'd be kind of nice to have been there and seen the, the attitude it was asked with. But they said, which is the greatest commandment of all that Moses taught, all of the law, everything that we see in our, our, our law, as they would have thought. 
And Jesus wrapped it up with this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second command, the second most important is just like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? Love, central to not only understanding, but even fulfilling those commands, to even walking in, in the ways that honor God. Love must be at the middle of it. Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. That doesn't set aside theology. It doesn't set aside uh, any of the other things that are part of our Christian faith, but rather instead it fuels all of these things. It undergirds. It's the current that carries along all of the rest. Uh, and it's, it's out of love that God ultimately even redeemed us. And we love him because he first loved us. And so we put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's a beautiful way to put that. It paints a wonderful picture um, of the kind of unity and togetherness. And, uh, and if we think of it in musical terms, when we think of a three-part harmony, the first, third, and fifth, where these three notes come together and create this beautiful, warm, uh, wonderfully musical um, thing. And so then we just appreciate it and just it makes sense to us. And it just brings this, uh, this beautiful vocal together or this, or this musical notes together. Well, in the same way, love <clears throat> becomes that which, which, which binds together in perfect harmony all of these things. And so put on love above all things. Okay, well, I'm going to stop there, and we're going to pick up in verse 15 the next time we come to Colossians. And uh, as always, I'm really glad you watched or are listening, and thanks for, for joining. Uh, if you uh, would like to subscribe to the audio version of this podcast, you might be watching on YouTube or on my website and that. But if you'd like to catch the audio version, uh, you can go to my website at parsonspad.com, and there's a link there for uh, listen to the audio podcast or subscribe to the audio podcast, and it'll take you to the audio version of this podcast where you can then subscribe on any of your any one of your favorite podcasting outlets um, iTunes or etc if you'd like to comment uh, or you have any thoughts or questions or anything like that you can always send me a note uh, both by commenting uh, on our YouTube channel under the video uh, you can comment on my personal website at parsonspad.com uh, where you can subscribe to the audio and uh, or you can email me from that website or our church's website at calvarychapelfranklin.com. So as always, really, really glad uh, to interact with you. I'm thankful that uh, you're, you're listening and watching. And I do pray that as we spend these times together, as we go through the word of God, that the word of God would have its work in us, even as God said it would in Isaiah, where he sends forth his word and it does not return to him void, but it accomplishes the thing that he sets it forth to do. And my hope is that it would find fertile ground, that seed of the word would find fertile ground in our hearts and ultimately uh, result in bearing tremendous fruit for his glory. So God, we thank you so much for the opportunities to open your word together. Thanks for bringing us together around your, around the scripture, around your word. And we pray that Father, even as we were just saying, that it would bring fruit in our lives as we listen to it, as we digest it, as we allow it to uh, to invade the deepest parts of our hearts, uh, Father, or the deepest parts of our innermost being, and that, Father, it would bring f uh, much, much fruit, 30, 60, even 100-fold. Uh, and so we just want to bring you glory, Father, in the days that we live in. And uh, one day we'll see you face to face, and we don't know when that day will come. So help us to be uh, mindfully and thoughtfully um, uh, about the business of pouring ourselves into your business. We thank you, we praise you, we love you and bless you, and we thank you for Jesus who paid for all of our sins and makes all of this possible. He demonstrates, he's the full expression of your love toward us. 
Father, and he also sets the example of what love looks like for us to follow. So help us in that regard. Father, we thank you, we bless you, and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.